just a little juice smoothie, blueberry train, instead of the tum tum. Oh, he's got some tummy troubles. Yeah, I just said tum tum on the podcast. Welcome everybody to the RR Catcast, a fan based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. The cats fossilized the Great Dane season and now prepare <laughs> to press into the governors of Austin P. Thorny, how you doing, buddy? Yep, their pl- their national title hopes went the way of the dinosaur, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> All right. I, I don't know if anyone knows what we're talking about, but uh, we don't really need to go into it. But yeah, if you get the joke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Oh, I couldn't be better. It's been a great week for me. I'm feeling good. It was a great Bobcat victory. Great weekend. It's just a good Monday night. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm a little under the weather over here. Feeling kind of sick, but feeling pretty good about the Bobcats. All right. Well, let's get into it. Just a little show outline to start. We're going to lead off with what we're drinking. We're going to go into the news. We'll talk about some FCS playoff results and then... uh Maybe a little bit about Bull Baldwin. We're going to do a game recap against Albany. And then we'll get into a little game preview against our upcoming opponent, Austin P. And then on that back end, we'll come out of it with some buy or sell and some golden koozie questions. Sounds good. Pretty standard. Pretty standard, but here we are in the quarterfinals. Not standard. Exciting. When was the last time we were in the quarterfinals? We were just talking about that before we started recording. It must have been 2011 or 12. Sam Houston stayed at home because I think that was the second. The rematch was in Bozeman, right? You know what? Now that you mentioned it, I clearly remember that night. I was super excited for it. I was living in Great Falls at the time. It was a cold night. Obviously, it was the middle of December. I was super jacked because it was on ESPN2. I was like set for prime time and, you know, the lights come on, the cameras panned over the crowd. We look great. And then Sam Houston State just went on a tear and just dismantled us. <laughs> I think they had like a brother combo on that team. And I can't remember their names, obviously, but they just dominated us. And I just felt bad for Daenerys McGee. And I just remember being so upset because we hadn't been in that position for so long. And then we just... We just crumbled in the spotlight. It was just like so indicative of Rob Ash teams, and I was just so mad. And I was, ah, it, it was just till this day such a sour taste. The only good thing that came out of that game, I remember specifically, that was like Alex Singleton's kind of breakout game because he, I think Jody Owens may have been hurt, so Singleton was filling in for him. It's the first time we really got to see him, so that was like the only bright spot. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm mentally ready to move on from that one. Thanks for bringing that one up again. <laughs> Yeah, yep. You kind of did it, really. Yeah, I guess I asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Thorny, why don't you tell us about the beer you're drinking tonight? Uh, well, like I mentioned earlier, I am under the weather, so I'm actually not drinking a beer. But I did not want to break my tr- tradition of picking drinks that, based on their names, so I'm actually drinking a naked blue machine because the Bobcats are a, just a machine right now. Blue, Bobcat blue. It's the best I could come up with. Not drinking a beer. 
Are those so. those smoothies? Yep. Just a little juice smoothie, blueberry train, instead of the tum-tum. Oh, he's got some tummy troubles. Yeah, I just said tum-tum on the podcast. <laughs> We're both parents. These things happen. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I hope that the... I hope that tastes good over there. It's delicious. Nice, man. All right. I have a Mac and Jack's Log Boom Pale Ale. My wife bought it. I think she bought it just based off of how the can looked. It's flashy. It's blue. It's, it's I don't know. It's a good looking can, but yeah, it's a good pale ale. It's pretty standard. It's nothing impressive. When you think of Mac and Jack's, I mean, you got to think of the African Amber, which is a, like an amazing beer. One of my top favorite beers, but uh, I haven't seen it in the can. So this is something new. Nice, that sounds good. And I do love the amber Mac and Jack makes delicious. Oh man, yeah. It's uh, unrivaled in the ambers. It's just it's it's like a hazy amber. It's awesome. All right, man. Let's move into the news. How about you recap some of the FCS games that went down last Saturday? Yeah, the Bobcats weren't the only big sky team. In fact, all four teams obviously were seated playing in the second round. We were state had to kind of come back against Kennesaw State, the Owls, who actually beat the Bobcats a few years ago. Weber State advanced. The Grizzlies destroyed Southeast Urn, Louisiana. I don't know if it's Southeast or Southeastern. Whatever. 78-23. to 23, The whoop, whooping to get themselves a rematch with Weber State in Ogden. And, of course, the game that impacted the Bobcats the most, Austin P. Govnas as you say, 42 <laughs> to 28 over the Sac State Hornets making their first playoff appearance in history. I guess so was Austin P. So a couple of newbies duking it out and the crappy weather down in Sacramento and Austin P came out victorious. That has to be the most surprising win of the weekend for for me. Uh the one that was most interesting was Weber State and Kennesaw State. Before that game started, I thought that was just going to be a slugfest. It turned out to be just that, 26-20. Kennesaw State with the triple option. I mean, Kennesaw State just seems like a team I would not want to play. They just seem kind of like that nasty, kind of like beat you up kind of team, kind of like maybe like the Cats are. So I think that just Weber State was just licking its chops going, you know, that's the same kind of team we are. Now Weber State was down 17 nothing at one point in that game, come back. And now they got this set up with the rematch with the Grizz. Who do you think is going to win that game? Well, I don't know who's going to win, but I know that if you're going to have a rematch with an opponent in the playoffs, I'd almost rather have played a team that you lost to because I think they're, at least for the Bobcats, the revenge angle, underdog angle is kind of something that motivates us. Um, going on the road against a team that you beat down in Missoula. Is gonna, I think it's gonna be a pretty tall task for the Grizz to replicate that. It's gonna be a real much closer game this time around. Oh, yeah. And I, I just like the Grizz hung 78 on, on southeastern Louisiana. That's just ridiculous. Apparently, like, uh, Coulter was talking about it today on his show on ESPN 1029 Missoula. He was saying that uh, southeastern Louisiana did not make any adjustments and like the Grizz just pounded them for it. <laughs> And it was just uh, like, I don't know, like hanging 78 on a team. Like, seriously, like, why? Like, why do you have to go there? But whatever. So, but um, I mean, it's a pl- it's the playoffs. If you don't stop someone in the playoffs, it's your own fault. That's all I can. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, that's a good point. But I mean, if, if Weaver is looking at the Grizz again, they got to be looking at our tape. 
Like they got to be looking at the things Montana State did in order to, you know, put the whooping on the Grizz and try to emulate some of those those uh, tactics we used. Hey, that's a good time to segue into a Golden Koozie question since you brought that up. I think Ooh. Corey on the Bobcat Nation, I can't remember his handle, the WTF Barbecue Grizz or whatever. <laughs> Corey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking at the question right now, um, but it was along the lines of, do you think the Big Sky coaches call each other up for help in the postseason? Do you think like Jay Hill called up Jeff Choate and saying, hey, how did you guys do this? What do you think about that? Do you think coaches actually kind of collude with each other? <laughs> I have no clue, honestly. Like my gut instinct would be say like yes, but then at the same time, Jeff Choate and Jay Hill are still in it. <laughs> you know, so uh but I know they're buddies, so my gut's gonna say yes on that. Yeah, his uh, example was like if Troy Taylor be willing to provide some insight to Jeff Choate on what he just saw in the game or his scout, like he, the scouting, you know, that the, he had already done on Austin P. Good question. I had no idea on the answer on that. I, I would imagine there certainly are some phone calls and some tips shared here and there, but I don't know how big it is, but uh, I'd say, yeah, I would say they help each other out. Do you think anybody's calling Bobby Houck? <laughs> Uh, I know Jeff Choate certainly isn't. I don't know if anyone else is. <laughs> I can't stand Bobby Houck. <laughs> Any jab I can get at that guy, I feel good about. He said he was going to post the same question on Egress. So I wonder, I'm curious to see what they think <laughs> about that. Uh, thanks for the question, Corey. That's uh, one golden koozie question. We got several to get through today. So one nice down. All right. Hey, uh, some news came out today that Bo Baldwin, former Eastern Washington head coach, is now going to be the head coach over at Cal Poly. Has that been confirmed anywhere except for that football scoop website yet? No, that's total conjecture. So, yeah, uh, I mean, that site's usually pretty on on the point, but not right all the time. So that I will keep this short on this discussion here because it's not official yet, but that would be a huge victory for Cal Poly. And I think Bo Baldwin would obviously ditch the triple option and Cal Poly does have some recruiting advantages that they need to capitalize on. And I think that Cal Poly will be a legitimate team in like two or three years real fast under Bull Baldwin. If that is true, the big sky is just shaping up to have these elite level coaches just stay around. And it's really cool to see. It's like, you can't get out of the big sky. Like if you're a successful big sky coach, eventually you'll be back at some point. He's pulling you back in because I, I, somebody was talking about it and I can't remember who now, but there's just not a whole lot of coaching opportunities out West. So if you want to stay out West, like what else are you going to do? There's, there's even FBS, FCS teams. There's just not a lot West of like the Mississippi. It's, everything is back East. So if you want to stay out here. It's like mountain West or big sky. <laughs> like what, what else is there to pack 12? If you're, if you're lucky. Well, and in all honesty, what's more exciting to coach in the Mountain West or the Big Sky? That's a good question. I don't know the answer. Probably Mountain West, if I was going to be completely honest. Yeah, see, I would have to disagree with you on that. I don't feel like the Mountain West has the level of competition that is just bred within the Big Sky. Yeah, the talent might be a little bit better, but what are you really playing for in the Mountain West? Like an off chance of maybe getting, I mean, what kind of bulls do you qualify for in the Mountain West? Yeah, but you don't have to travel to 
Cedar City, Utah, and playing in front of 3,000 people. That's a good point. I mean, <laughs> you're playing for more, have... but the, the path to get to that more is pretty littered with uh, programs that really don't care about football and no one shows up for the games. So I think for Bo Baldwin, just kind of close this up, like his offense over at Cal has not been great. Uh, they've been pretty scrutinized about having a pretty bad offense, but pretty stellar defense. I bet you he, like the writing on the wall for Bo is like, you know, he wants to be a head coach. Well, you know, he's got to be back at the big sky in order to make that happen because it doesn't, his chance at moving up in the Power Five conference just didn't happen for him. Yeah, I don't really, I haven't followed his career too much, honestly. So makes sense, though. That'd make perfect sense making a coaching change before maybe he's changed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure he's going to have some success at Cal Poly that just makes it one more tough team in the conference for us. For sure. All right. Hey, uh, did you catch the presser today? Not all that much of it, so I'm going to have to defer to you on that one. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Jeff Choach just money right now. Everything he's saying to me is just gold. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jeff Choate, so that comes across as a like kind of a homerism right there. But uh, he just seems like he's in his element. He's you know he's in his fourth year at Montana State, and now his his system is in place. As he talked about in the presser today, you know the tenets of his program are taking root, and the fruit is being you know coming in front of us right now. And so he just seems very comfortable. His uh just seems very confident and uh I just love his answers. He's very articulate, he's very generous with his time, and uh, they're just uh they're just really fun to watch for me for me. Nice, yeah. I I got the that sense of the few minutes I did catch, but he just seems like he's just having a good time out there and got his team ready to play and they're playing hard and playing for him. Did anything jump out to you? No, I'm not in the small amount of time. How about you? Like, yeah, oh, that's just a couple things. Uh, one, uh, I can't remember who the reporter was, but they asked him about the Austin P. Sac State game if he was surprised, and he kind of paused and then he had a little smirk come over his face, and he said, "Well, I guess when it comes down to, in my opinion, is who is most excited to play." And there was one more team on that field that was more excited to play than the other, <laughs> and so it was kind of a little put down to Sac State right there, and a little, uh, you know, tip of the cap to Austin P. I did hear him talk about like the team that's like hungry, you know, is going to, is going to win right now in the playoffs. And, you know, Austin P looks hungry. I hope the Bobcats are hungry, but I watched that Sac State Austin P game and you know, Sac State did not look fired up or hungry. They just looked lost. It was pretty strange. Yeah. And he's got a good mindset. He did say exactly what you just said. He said there's satisfied teams and there's hungry teams. And he's he went on to talk just a little bit about how the Bobcats need to be the hungry team, and that's something he, that's just a big message he's putting out to his to his guys right now. All right, well, shall we get into the recap of the game we're here to talk about? Albany, Albany, <laughs> Great Danes. <laughs> Trying to say it right now, all bunny, bunny. Go for it. All right, well, forty-seven to twenty-one. And not even nearly as close as that score would indicate as the Bobcats cruise to a 47 to 7 score before letting Albany score 14 points in the fourth quarter. And I believe the last touchdown was against our third, second, third stringers. I know the second one was still against the starters. But can you, if I, if I had told, 
like I had faith in the Bobcats to win this game, but if you would have told me that Tucker Rovig would have more passing yards, have a better passer rating, better stats, better everything than Jeff Undercuffler, I'm not sure I would have bought that. He, as Tucker Rovig finished with uh, 279 yards on 24 of 30 attempts for three touchdowns, and honestly, if Willie Patterson had dropped an easy like 25 yarder, he'd have gone over 300 on that. So. Pretty darn good day as the Bobcats have 28 first downs to Albany's 19. Bobcats right at around 50% on third down, which for us is that's, that's good. 50% is good as we hold another team to a terrible rating, two of 12 for Albany on their third downs. Outgained them a 483 to 333. Um, the rushing was 203 to 60, just 60 rushing yards for Albany. Um, we'll get into the rushing stats for the Bobcats, which were. You know, Albany did a pretty good job defending it, and I want to know if that's a problem with our rushing offense or credit to the Albany defense. We'll get into that. Uh, Albany was penalized seven times for 80 yards. We got five ourselves. That was kind of a sloppy game a little bit for Albany in particular. And, of course, the two interceptions brought down by our man Damian Washington and just the one fumble for Logan Jones. And the Bobcats had just about 34 minutes time of possession to 26. So pretty, pretty dominant victory in this this late in the season against a quality team in the playoffs, like this isn't like Southern Utah, we're beating 47 to 21. So it's a pretty dominant victory. And the stats laid it out. If you look at the stats, there's really no single area where you thought Albany should have won this game and they did not. Tom Stuber at Tom at 88 Tomcat on Twitter uh, put out a tweet. He said, MSU defense shut out Albany over the next 50 minutes and eight seconds. That is after we uh, score or they scored the first touchdown. They only allowed just 103 yards on 43 plays, an average of 2.4 yards per play between the first and second Albany scores. During that time, the offense and special teams scored 47 unanswered points. Just impressive. <laughs> yeah, we dominated. Just insane. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Like, and their touchdown was an amazing play. And then really, that's the only thing Albany had going for them all day was lobbing it up to Jawan Green, hoping he makes the catch over Tyrell Thomas, who had excellent coverage. I'm, I want to say that first and foremost. Thomas got burned, but it, only because he's just given up too much height. He was right there on all of those. And I think Jawan Green had stick him on his hands because they just looked look like he just didn't even bounce off his hands. But <laughs> uh, that, was their, that was their first touchdown, it kind of in a double coverage. Jawan Green kind of goes up and gets it, lands on his feet. Bobcats take each other out and cruises in the end zone but really after that pretty much nothing going for albany all the way until the fourth quarter as tom stuper clearly calculated the game just felt a little bit different didn't it i mean with the proliferation of tuckerovic passing for almost 300 yards and our rushing attack not being as prolific it just felt different to me it did and so I might as well get into that question i kind of posed Bobcats did struggle to run the ball a little bit as far as the Bobcats are concerned. 203 yards on 4.6 yards per carry. It's a good day in the office, all right? Like that's most teams are going to be stoked with that kind of production. But for the Bobcats, that's you know, we used to be in the mid the mid fives for yards per carry. So they did hold us. And I think Isaiah and Fonzie, uh, Fonzie, geez, um, did not have that many yards. He's he had uh 16 carries for just 30 nine yards along a 12. So he was pretty limited. So what do you think? What do you think presented such problems for the Bobcats r- ground game 
And do you think it was anything that Albany did or scheme wise, or do you think they just like physically were able to control the line of scrimmage? I don't know too much about the schematics of football to really get into that answer too deep. Um, one thing that came to mind was we got in love with the Travis Johnson plus one run game. I mean, he hit that touchdown right off the bat where he scampered around the end for, I was like 54 yards or something like that. And then Travis Johnson never gave it up again. And he was just getting smoked. <laughs> like, And that's when I was texting you. I was like, man, this is hot garbage because we were, we became predictable like there in the second quarter. And I was just getting frustrated because we had like a two, two uh, series in there that where we just went three and out back to back and we, we weren't doing anything. And so I think we got a little bit predictable. Um, so they were keen up on our runs, but I think that's basically all they really wanted to do is just stop the run on us. And then it kind of begs the question too, like we weren't doing any of our fly sweeps the last couple games that we saw. Like where was Tyrone Marshall? That still hasn't been answered to me. Uh, we didn't press the edges. We were always just trying to go up the middle. So, I mean, I, I think Logan Jones had a couple of them on the outside, but they closed that off pretty good against us, and we just had a hard time running the ball. I noticed, uh, kind of rewatched the game today since I was sick at home. I had some time. I rewatched it, and there just seemed to be an Albany defender just waiting just beyond the line of scrimmage at all times. Like like in the Grizz game, like there, it seemed like, like I mentioned during the, the Grizz review podcast, the recap podcast, how it seemed like the Bobcats were playing like 11 versus 10. Well, it kind of almost felt the opposite. Like every time that we handed the ball off, like we didn't have enough hats on hats and there was always just one guy waiting in the gap and, he, and like they were pretty sound tacklers and he made the tackle. So I, I think a lot of it was just Albany scheming it up and just uh, kind of treating us like a triple option, just playing gap assignment football. I think it's kind of what they were doing to us. And it kind of plays out that their leading tackler um, Josh Wynn, Mr. Dinosaur had uh, 19 tackles. The next, I think the next guy had like nine or maybe he had 17, but either way, he was almost double the next guy in tackles. So clearly if your safety has got that many tackles there and it, we're not throwing the ball a whole lot, um, he's crashing down and they're using him in run support. So I think that was just, like you said, their entire game plan, selling out to stop the run, bringing down the safety help, staying gap assignment sound. And that really kind of presented some problem for the Bobcats. And like you said, no Tyrone Marshall to kind of soften the edges. And we just, the middle just was not there for us. Well, they weren't bringing a lot of pressure too. So they could sit in those gaps and we couldn't exploit that. No, that's, that's kind of what it was. There's just always a guy just sitting there waiting and made the tackle more often than not. Well, really give uh, Tucker Rovig some opportunities to make some plays over there. And he just looked like, just like the best version of himself. He had a season high, 279 yards and three touchdowns, 80% completion rate. Tucker Rovig was a dude out on the field and his ability to press the ball downfield really, really opened the game for us. It was impressive to watch. He had such confidence in his receivers. Um, some of the throws were dimes. Some of them were more of a 50-50 ball, but the point is he gave his guys a chance to catch every single one of those and his receivers really stepped up in a big way. Kevin Cassius, if you watch the the broadcast, <laughs> Kevin Cassius made some really good. He had one of the best games I've seen from him from a receiving standpoint, probably as a Bobcat. Lance McCutcheon finally breaks out and has a couple just stellar catches himself. 
it, it was a it was really impressive game from the passing attack, and a lot of that was the offensive line giving Robig time to throw and Robig sitting there and having confidence to throw the ball downfield and his guys stepped up for him. It was just a great effort for the passing game in general and it all started with Tucker Rovick making some absolute great throws. Kevin Cassis is so good at catching the overhead ball, the one that just, you know, drops into his lap. He's so good at that. He's made that catch uh, against his sideline a handful of times this season. It's just really, really impressive. That's one of Rovick's better throws is he he's able to put enough air on those that they kind of drop straight down like so the defender doesn't even have a chance to swat it. So he's he throws a good whatever kind of pass you would call that. I don't know if enough about football to know it, but yeah, the one where you just drop it in like that. He 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 did really good at that. My other favorite route that we run is uh the Travis Johnson just like button hook on the outside. We net like ten yards every time we do it because they play off Travis Johnson because of, because of his speed. And he always has like a five yard cushion. He just stops and Tuckerovic just puts it on the money right there. No, the timing is really, really good on that. That's like probably our best overall pass play is, yeah, he just like drives right at the DB and just stops and, you know, within a second of him stopping, turn around or a second or two, the ball's there and before the defenders even have a chance. That's probably, yeah, our best play and the chemistry is good there and the timing's good and it's been working. I'm just, uh, eventually that, that route's going to get jumped. We just got to be careful with it. Well, I noticed we don't do many seam passes and we don't do many passes over the middle that are not, you know, five to 10 yards down the field. No, like we'll hit a drag route across the, you know, across like, and there was a couple new passes I saw where, uh, like we hit some guys that dragging across the middle, but uh, like most of Tucker's throws are aided against the, the sideline. It's true. Um, you know, Trucker has great arm strength to get it there. That's a long throw. So that, that one, uh, I'm thinking of just Travis Johnson. He was like almost on the right hash and threw it all the way to the other side of the field. That's a long throw. That's like 30 yards in the air for like a 12 yard gain. <laughs> yeah. So, but you're right. I don't know. We just don't really have it in our arsenal to throw it. The seams are over the middle, but that's just really not our MO and it's not going to be anytime soon. Not this year. On the flip side, think about the seams. That's one thing where I think the Montana State defense is kind of suspect. Yeah. Did you see something from the Albany game where they exploited the seams? <laughs> yeah, I did a couple of times. A couple of the passes they did hit were on those seams, and the announcer was just kind of annoying. He kept talking about it. He's like, if the Montana State doesn't protect the seams, that's going to be a problem for them. <laughs> I was like, man, that guy just keeps mentioning it. But he's got a point. It all all year long goes back to Sac State, man. They attack the seams on our on our defense. Maybe that is a weak spot. I can't complain much about our defense. We've been lights out, but that is that is something where we uh, we were struggle a little bit. It takes a really accurate quarterback, and the timing has to be really good on seam passes. So you'll see, like a quarterback like Kevin Thompson or Dalton Snead or Jeff Undercuffler be able to hit those throws, but a quarterback like maybe Tucker Rovig or um, some of your quarterbacks maybe still in the playoffs yet, or that's a harder throw to make. Like, I don't, I doubt Weber State's throwing the ball up the seam with Jake Constant's team. So it's a hard throw to make. And uh, I don't, the next opponent, I'm not sure Austin P really has that in their playbook either, but that's definitely something that we have struggled with. Well, I'm ready to move on to Austin P if you want to. We do have a couple of golden koozie questions pertaining to the game. One of them 
Jim Lear, and then we should talk about this is an important thing. What is going on with our clock management? Well, Jim <laughs> wants to know, calling a timeout after the first down at the goal line costs us to play and probably touchdown. I know that you and I texted about that. Like, oh, here we go again with the clock management that's going to cost us points. What are your thoughts on the clock management? Why is What is going on? Oh, man, it's just like, yeah, exactly. I texted you ago. Here's where I don't trust Jeff Choate. <laughs> it's, I still don't trust him when we, when we have like 30 seconds or a minute left and we get down into the red zone. Like, it is, it is a crap show down there, man. Like, I have no clue what they're doing. Why don't they spike the ball? Why don't we spike the ball? We haven't spiked. I mean, this seems like a logical thing. Stop the clock. Nope. <laughs> you know, and then we tried to usher in the uh, the kicking game. You know, it's just like two two games now. Was it the Cagres that we tried to do that? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it may yeah. have been a uh, UCD, but yeah, it's been two of the oh, last yeah. three games. It was Davis, yeah, it was. I just don't know what Jeff Choate's doing. We didn't down get there. the kickoff in that one. Like the snap came late and it didn't count. Yeah, spike the ball, stop the clock, get set. You know, I don't know just... how we got into like a. It was like first and goal or first and 10 from like the 15 or something like that with three timeouts left. And somehow we burn them all consecutively and run out of timeouts. It was not, not going to clock management. And I, oh, I didn't understand. There, I think he mentioned after the first down, why did we call the, the timeout? I can't remember exactly what it was, but there, yeah, there was one play. We ran it. It was successful. It was like, just get up to the line, run or play or spike it. Like, I don't, we just casually called our timeouts. And then all of a sudden like, oh no, we don't have any timeouts. It was, it's not good, and it's if eventually, if it continues, it's going to cost us a game, a close game. We can't be doing this kind of stuff. You know, kind of like a moot point on that. Afonso looked like he scored. <laughs> I've only seen like the final image of him reaching over the goal line. It, there's, it's such inconclusive. Like we don't know if he rolled on his knee and before that. So, but it, it looks, it looked like it was a touchdown from every angle I've seen a photo of, but doesn't tell us what happened. 0.5 seconds before the photo was taken. Yeah, I mean, just back to the root of the question. I think we're all a little bit frustrated with Jeff Choate's clock management in crucial times, and so that's something he uh, he definitely needs to work upon. That question is from Jim Lear on Twitter. Thanks for the question, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Um, I don't think there's any other koozie questions pertaining to the game. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. What do you think? The governors. Of Nez. <laughs> uh, what do you think? What do you think about Austin P? Well, all, they do you, are. Do you have any uh, information on the school? Did you do any research there? Uh, I kind of looked a little bit to see where they're from. They're from somewhere in Tennessee. I that's kind of a lame answer, but that's all I really know about Austin P. Apparently, their name comes from it's paying homage to one of their governor back in Tennessee, and what I do know about Austin P is in the last four games, they have outscored opponents 161 to 48. They are on just an absolute tear right now. Yeah, and actually, in the Austin P watch party thread on the Bobcat Nation, uh, I was interacting with like the, the lone little Sac State fan there, and I was doing some brief research there, just look at the Sac State game, and like, you know, Sac State's could be primed for an upset here because of that kind of stuff. Because Sac State or Aston P was just hot. They were just coming in red hot. Sac State was not hot. They had like lost their very first game in November to Weber State. So they came in and 
they just took it to them. So yeah, they're hot right now, and they're that only reaffirmed, you know, their hotness, if you will. Like it just kept the fire going, <laughs> just destroying Sac State like that. Well, Austin P finished number one in the Ohio Valley Conference. Second was SEMO, a team we played early on in our season. They played Southeastern Missouri as well, and they beat them 28 to 24. That was back on October 12th. So, I mean, you just kind of throw that one out the window. Uh, no, but, and you can't make any sort of comparison to our SEMO game either because of the same reason. That was just so long ago. Yeah, but since, since November 6th, that's when they started going on their tear. And to be outscoring opponents 161 to 48, I mean, that's, that's pretty legit. In comparison, Montana State in the last five games has outscored our opponents 209 to 73. And we all know those 73 points, there's probably, you know, a third of those to maybe even half of those that came in in garbage time. So we're kind of on the same trajectory as Austin P. They're coming from Tennessee's on finals week on a Friday night. So, I mean, we got some things going for us just advantage wise of just logistic logistics, but man, we kind of feel like we're two similar teams. Did you watch the Sacramento state game here and there? That's Not my much. only, only real, I mean, my only at all viewing of Austin P and they, their offense was strikingly similar to ours. Like didn't really know anyone else in the country was crazy enough to, run so many different packages and formations and try and get so many different ball carriers in space like we do without being a triple option team. But here we are with kind of a, almost a little bit of a carbon copy of that kind of stuff. They, they ran some interesting plays. They had a guy like in the flat before the snap, he'd come run back and then he'd like take a couple steps back and then the guys would shift and he would take a snap out of wildcat. So we'd like, he would um, audible into the quarterback's wildcat spot from starting out like a slot receiver position. So they do a lot of, kind of stuff stuff that we do. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup from that perspective. Well, they're led by their senior quarterback, Javon Craig, number three. He has over 3,000 yards on the season. And put that in comparison, that's three times as many as Tucker Rovick's had. He has 27 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. But that that's the guy who stirs the, jo- or stirs the, the drink for them. He reminds me a lot of like a Chris Murray type guy. Yeah. He- like the way he runs, like he'd go back there and just he has that like real emphatic like planting of the foot and he's just gone. Just puts his foot in the ground and he's just he's quick out the gate. He's got kind of tall, lanky frame. Uh obviously a little bit better passer, but surprisingly, he hadn't gone over like eighty yards all year and all of a sudden he just ran all over Sac State. So I don't know if that's just sort of something that they saw that they could exploit. But uh, he's not clearly he had the physical tools to do it, but he must be a pass first guy. So I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to attack the Bobcat defense. But interesting about him, I was reading, he wasn't even like he's been an on and off starter his career. Like he lost his starting job and kind of won it back his senior year after like losing it out. It was like a a sophomore or junior. So it's pretty interesting trajectory for him to stick around the program. And I think he might have even actually come in earlier this year when a quarterback was hurt, if I remember correctly. But either way, He's stuck around and he's having a great senior year, so he's gonna be he's gonna be a handful. Now I think that Chris Murray uh comparison was spot on, and that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching him run around. But apparently he's a better passer than Chris Murray. <laughs> yep. <laughs> have three thousand yep. yards on the season is uh nothing to bat an eye at for sure. No, it's that's a couple hundred a game. Like like his 
average game was like a, a the best Chris Murray game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what do you think, Thorny? So you said that they run an offense that's very similar to ours, or at least uh, in schematic wise. Is that a is that good for Montana State, or is that going to be a challenge for us? I think it's going to be a challenge, and I actually did catch that part of the press conference where Jeff Choate was like, "Now I kind of see how other teams feel," <laughs> you know, trying to prepare for all the different looks that they throw out, and I haven't spent so much time doing it. So, just because we run it, like we have some familiarity familiarity with a similar system, but you don't game plan for it like you would in this. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a huge advantage having run a similar thing. I think it's going to be a really hard thing to stop. Yeah, I. I I think you're probably exactly right on that. It's just going to be something we're going to have to be, uh, and we're going to have to be, we're going to have to have our eyes in the correct position, as Jeff Choate would like to say, when we're going to have to be gap sound and play your assignment sound football. So a couple things here. I'm going to kind of recap what I saw in the Sac State game. That's decide one way or the other. If, if it was Austin P or Sac State being terrible, Sac State was terrible tackling in that game. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened to Sac State, but they couldn't tackle anyone. They were getting like getting through arm tackles. They weren't gang tackling. That a lot of that is when you're on your heels, you play slow. We saw that happen to the Grizz. Like, yeah, that's a good tackling team, but they weren't against us because they're playing slow. They weren't quite sure what they were supposed to be. Eyes catching the wrong spot, and I think that's kind of what happened to Sac State. Um, I do like our chances of tackling a lot better because I think we're an excellent tackling team this year. We have been pretty much since about the SEMO game. Uh, we started off a little sloppy, but we got a lot better as the year progressed. So that's, that's one thing that I just saw. Like, Sac State couldn't tackle anybody. The other thing that really stuck out is Kevin Thompson was off. And I don't think it was really, he wasn't running for his life. He was sitting there in the pocket and just missing dudes. Like, just throwing four feet behind them on a slant pattern and or throwing in the dirt. It was really interesting to see. I don't know what was up with Kevin Thompson, but I think there were some points to be had, some big plays to be had. Thompson just couldn't get it done, and it was really odd to see. Question for you, Ryan. Do you think you would rather go play Sack again or Austin P at this moment? Well, after watching that game, I'd obviously want to play Sack State, but that's not... Games like that aren't going to happen again. You know, like... If we play the Grizz again, I don't expect that same outcome. So just because Sac State got steamrolled by Austin P doesn't mean that wouldn't happen to us. So, but I probably I don't know it, exactly the scenario happened. I would like to happen because I'd rather be playing Austin P at home than going yeah. into Sacramento for sure. That's a good point. Hey, real quick thing about uh, I did some stats. I was pretty curious about Kevin Thompson. He was throwing for sixty six percent completion percentage and a passing efficiency efficiency of 148 about 2.7 touchdowns a game when you averaged out before he got injured at weber state his next three games idaho uc davis austin p he threw a combined three touchdowns his completion percentage was 46 and his rating was 95 so i don't know what the heck happened to kevin thompson but clearly the injury was more severe than it led on and it just hindered him so it wasn't just a austin p thing like he hadn't been playing good for a couple weeks yeah you could kind of feel that too, you know. They struggled. They struggled with UC Davis. Uh, they just weren't the same team. I mean, they, they were on a tear in October, but you know, Sac State didn't really. They weren't scaring me like they were in the middle of no. the season. Yeah. Nope. And that's the big difference in being good in October versus being good in November. We've been on both sides of that now. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. 
Well, I like the way the cats did it. <laughs> the other thing, um, and this bears out statistically, Austin P had a ton of penalties. Like they don't look disciplined. Um, they have lots of infraction, like procedural penalties, and their stats bear it out. I think they're like hundredth or something in penalties against. So uh, Bobcats are obviously very good at not getting penalties thrown. One of the tops of the big skies. So I think that's going to be a, a big point of emphasis. And, and that bared out against Sac State, too. They had tons of penalties. I don't have the stats in front of me, but they, they had a lot of penalties against Sac State. No, oh, yeah. So, like, the Bobcats come out, and let's say we get an early lead against Austin P. I could see it becoming super chippy if that holds true. Now, Austin P doesn't have, doesn't have like a history of being good. In fact, they have a history of being really bad. At one point, they lost like 29 games in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, they're burning hot right now. They're kind of reminding me of like a little firework going off in the air. I think there's going to be a ceiling for them here soon. Um, I'm just going to put it that way. Okay, just okay. to just circle back to what uh, I was looking at up while you were talking there. Uh, they had nine penalties for 78 yards against Sac State. So, yeah, and I, I agree with your point. It could get chippy. Albany was a little chippy. I saw some complaints on the board about it. When I was rewatching the game, I definitely saw a couple things that made me go, huh, why wasn't there a flag thrown there? But it could certainly, you know, if this happens, I don't know if it's just the style of the Bobcats play where we're just so physical and play to the whistle that we just start pissing people off and they just start retaliating. Um, it'll be interesting to see that dynamic for sure. What is the weight this game holds for Montana State in general? It's huge. I mean, this will be our first trip to the semifinal since 84 right no oh, if we can win <laughs> well what? i don't understand the question then if if well i mean I, I guess the question is what does this mean to montana state and i think you said it thorny it's it's just that it's like we haven't had this trip to the semifinal since 1984 this is a huge game for montana state it'll be the first like legitimate playoff run I can think of, you know, yes, all not that I can think of. Fact, the first playoff run since 84, when we have won two games in a row, starting in the second round and gotten to the semifinal. So it's going to be, it's everything. It's a huge game. It's a huge, that it's in Bozeman. Like how awesome is that as a five seed to be hosting another game here? It's huge for the team. It's huge for recruiting. I only wish that we got a spot on ESPN2 instead of ESPN3, but you know, that's just kind of the draw of having commencement on Saturday and needing to change the game around. But it's huge. It's huge for the program. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> Pretty hard not to. Like, it would, Of course, it's huge. It's huge for every team in this spot. I think the Bobcats are playing with some just confidence right now. They just, I just like the, our mojo of our team. We just seem tough. And we seem confident and we just seem like we're the most excited team to play right now. And I, I, that's all, that's just big stuff for us right now. Now we've really been focused since whatever game was after the North Dakota game, but that's, we haven't really had like a letdown quarter in the way that we have. We haven't had that, like a, that cascading comedy of errors. In fact, we've kind of forced teams into those errors that just like the blocked punt against Albany like uh, that's just we've had that kind of stuff go our way lately and that's you know that's not a coincidence that's practice that's focus that's hunger that's everything you want and i like where the team is mentally and physically ready to go and uh we're playing better without our best player 
<laughs> yep, I'm not sure uh, when Troy Anderson will be back, if he will be back, but we already kind of hashed down the last episode what it means to play without him. We've won two games convincingly without him, so I'm confident we can continue to win, which is just crazy to think about. But uh, we're playing great football. Sounds good, man. Hey, are you ready to uh, move on, or do you want to wrap up some thoughts? I didn't know if we wanted to mention any kind of players to keep an eye on. We already talked about the quarterback. The other guy I saw on tape that really jumped out to me was their wide receiver, DeAndre Wilson, I think, number 11. Mm -hmm. A little short, stocky, fast guy. He He's tough to bring down. He's a load. So um, I'm going to be interesting to see how he does. And then they have a guy on the Buck Buchanan list on the defense with seven interceptions on the year. That's a huge stat for the FCS level in particular. Cordell Jackson, 5'11", only 163, but he is a ball hawk. So uh, probably not as big a issue for a team like the Bobcats who don't throw the ball, but certainly a guy to keep an eye on. Kind of sounds like a Jockway Allen. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I could see that. I don't think he's built quite the same way, but um, boy, Austin P just has some like short, squatty dudes on their D line. They have like a guy who's like 5'11, 320 or something. Ooh. And I, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. The other guy's like 5'9, 270. So they just got some, and they're both really good players. Like the one guy, the 5'11 guy, in fact, I have right here in front of me, uh, Josephus Smith, I think his name was. I probably typed that down wrong, but maybe I didn't. It's 5'9", 285, but he's got 19 and a half tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks from his like defensive tackles position. Jeez. He's a playmaker. I was watching him, like number 44. He's got like that big shoulder pad that kind of goes up behind the head that makes you look even bigger than you are. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. So he's just like this just little bowling ball, just terrifying little man. It's pretty. Um, it, it'd be interesting. Our, our offensive line's going to have their hands full. They're an athletic, physical group, and they're short and kind of squatty, and so they can get good pad level on you. It's going to see how we play against them. I think we're going to have to attack the edges. I hope Tyrone Marshall is available. Yeah, that guy. Like, well, he just went. He just ghosted us <laughs> last game. Where was he? Like, that was that was the weirdest thing about that game. Was like, where's Tyrone Marshall at? I think I saw him on the sideline, but like. It just made no sense to me whatsoever. Are we going to have know if it's some sort of plan to like make teams wonder like, okay, is he playing or is he not? Are they going to play this kind of football or not? Like, I don't know if it's that kind of strategy or if he's just hurt. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know, man. So <laughs> I don't know either. We could have another game like where we did, where we're going to run uh, for 200 yards, or maybe we're going to get back to what we're doing or where we're used to and have 400 yards. I, I don't know what's going to come. Uh, maybe Tuckerovic's going to lead us to a victory. One thing that we haven't had in a while is we haven't played a close game. No, no, that's been since North Dakota. Yeah. I wonder I wonder how the cats will respond if we get into that. That's a good question. We haven't been battle tested in that way for a while. And but neither has Austin P. All right, man. All right. Yep, that's pretty much all I have to talk about about Austin P, whose chant, yes it is, let's go P. Had to say it. <laughs> That's their web address is let's go p.com. <laughs> I, I had no clue what you're talking about right there. <laughs> like, did he just say that? Okay. Okay. He did. <laughs> yeah, if you type in let's go p, make sure you're spelling it P E A Y. If you're going to go let's go p.com. Cause if you don't spell it that way, you're probably going to get a whole different website. You don't want a part of. I had no clue. Their uh, mascot was the governors. So when I was watching the game, I was like, they got like the old white guy with the top hat on <laughs> on their helmet. I was like, 
Wait, what are these guys like the fighting whiteys or something? What's going on? <laughs> like, no. Kind of like Mr. Monopoly, really. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the monocle. Old rich white dudes on the helmets. There you go. That's good. That's a good yeah. mascot. <laughs> it's a whole different world down in Tennessee. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, uh, so let's recap our bold predictions from last week. You came in strong saying we were going to have four sacks. Nailed oh, yeah. It. Right on. Again, I sucked it up again with the pick six. We still haven't had a pick six. I'm going to stop picking the pick six. And so uh, there's, uh, you were right. I was wrong. Thorny, what's your bold prediction for this week? First of all, by not picking the pick six, finally, that means you're probably going to will the team into a pick six. So I like your strategy there. Yes. (laughs) Uh, My bold prediction is that the Bobcats score more than 38 points. Ooh. All right. I think Tucker Rovig's going to pass for three touchdowns. So you think we're going to have to go to the air some more? Yep, for sure. I like that. I go with that. I'm going to have to bump mine up to 41 because I'm 38. It's not super bold, but you know, this this get into the you know teens should be a lot better now at this you know the quarterfinal. 38 points should be a lot, but I'll say yeah, score more than 41. We'll score 42 or greater. Okay, I just, I just wrote those just down. Kind of steamrolling teams right now, offensively, defensively. How good was a uh, Coy Steele getting us in good field position? Just want to. Go back to that. That was crazy. He had such good returns in that game. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Our <laughs> special teams looked amazing, except for the missed kick. But, yeah, Coy Steele was awesome. So that having good field positions definitely gets you in position to score more points, and I hope that continues with a good special teams play against Austin P. For sure. You ready for some buy or sell? Let's do it. All right. Throwing you're on the hot seat, number one. Buy or sell. The crowd will be greater than 10,000. Oh, I'm going to buy it but it's not going to be much bigger. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm nervous about it. Okay. Number two, by yourself, this is the best Bobcat team I have ever seen. Uh, you go first on that one. <laughs> okay. Well, you're putting me in a position I don't know what to do. No, I can't go first. It's your by yourself. Fine, fine, fine. Um, I will sell it. I want to say that those Early 2000s, Lule teams were probably overall better just uh, as a shorter playoff field back then, so they didn't have good success on the road. Nope. Yep. Yep. I'm going to sell it. Uh, yeah. They're not quite the best yet. Okay. Number they win three. this game. They very well might be, though. Number three. The depth is the number one factor in MSU's late season success. You give me such hard questions on these. That was from Shane Driscoll. Thanks, Shane. I will buy that. Uh, it's, it's a huge part of it for sure. I don't know if it's the number one factor, but I can't think of any other bigger number one factor, so I will buy it. Number four. You're going to scoff at this one. I know you are. Buy or sell the Grizz fan pod. <laughs> if you're a Grizz fan, buy it. If you're not, sell it. <laughs> Simple as that. They're, so I'm not gonna like, they're an entertaining <laughs> bunch to listen to, but I'm not listening to any, any podcast that isn't about like a subject I'm passionate about or even probably any subject at all period for like two hours. So two hours is on the short side, man. Yeah. That's like, that's their quick episodes. That's their brief episodes, but yeah, that's a little too long in the tooth for me. So I guess overall <laughs> as a Bobcat fan and a, not a fan of three hour podcast, I'm selling it. 
Those guys wanted a golden koozie back in the day. Not going to happen. <laughs> uh, all right, last one. Uh, let's see. How do I want to phrase this? Okay, buy or sell. A win this weekend is the next step MSU needs. I will buy that. That puts us into the quarterfinals. The first time we've been there. Or, sorry, semifinals, right? It's, it's the semifinals. So, yeah, 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 absolutely the next step for sure. All right, throwing you off the hot seat, buddy. Well done. Foley, buy or sell. The crowd will be greater than 10 grand. I'm predicting it's going to be 13, 12 to 13. It's like the last day of school. If I, if, Am I right on that? What? Sorry, I was reading a golden koozie question. <laughs> oh, okay. Is it, is it the game on the last day of the semester? I have no idea. I think it is. And if I'm pretty sure it is, and that's going to hurt attendance pretty bad, specifically uh, with the students. And so I'm guessing we're going to have right around 13 grand or 12 to 13. Hope you're right. Yeah. Uh, they'll be loud, though. Go Bobcats. Uh, number two, buy or sell. This is the best Bobcat team I've seen. Man, you really made me think with those Lule teams. I mean, Lule was so dynamic and we had such good defense those defenses Ooh. but why didn't we do more because we didn't have a, any good running backs there once ryan johnson graduated yeah Ooh. um yeah i'm gonna say overall i think we have a better offensive line right now i think our defensive line is just as good back then i think we had bigger names back in the early 2000s you had obviously Keenan. Uh, Travis Lule. I mean, can't overlook those type of people. Roger Cooper. I mean, whew, man, we, there's some players. Adam that just, Cordero. Yeah, just generational <laughs> players, right? Uh, but I think overall, just just in general, overall from position to position, I think we're just stronger. So yeah, I'm gonna say this is the best Bobcat team I've ever seen. Gosh, I I don't know, man. I just I'm crossing it's a my tough fingers. One. On. It's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a tough one. I think you're exactly right, Thorny. If we win this Saturday, uh, I would feel much more confident on that. But it's, ooh, it's like a 51-49 kind of push right there. I'm going to still say, yeah. All right. I'm sorry, Travis. I love you, man. You know. <sighs> okay, moving on. I got to move on for that one. That's a sticky one for me. Okay, uh, number three, <laughs> buy yourself. Depth is the number one factor in MSU's late season success. We touched on this last week. I think for sure. Our depth has been a huge reason why we are where we are. I mean, Jeff Choate talked about today. We have guys practicing right now who have been hurt all season. Ty Okada, just look at Ty Okada. Started his first game, what, Cat Grizz? I mean, the guy's yep, just, I think so. Like, that guy's exciting to watch. He's making, he's such a good open field tackler. Not only that, he has like a little bit of just dog in him. You know, he just, he trash talks a little bit. He just got a little bit of swag out there. I just like him, man. So I, I think, yeah, our depth, these, these guys who have been getting playing because of people being hurt and all of a sudden, you know, we just got guys just rolling. It's good. So, yeah, nice job, Shane. Thanks for the question. Uh, number four, the Grizz fan pod. I'm going to have to sell. Um, I think those guys are probably pretty nice dudes. I listened. The only Grizz fan pod I actually listened to was on the, the Cat Grizz recap. Uh, they seem okay. Having three guys talk around a microphone in the background with uh, little kids on their, you know, podcast. It's, yeah, okay. I can get it. But like three hours, two hours, that's just too much. 
I don't want to listen to three guys, you know, talk about the Grizzlies for that long. So yeah, I mean, just as a cat fan, I'm going to sell it. But in general, I'm just going to sell. I'm jealous they do get to do it in person, though. Yeah, that would be fun. I mean, do you think the den- the dynamic between us would be different if we just got to sit in the same room and do this? Oh, for for sure. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing to I'm think. Staring about. at the clutter in my garage right now. So it'd be much different if I was actually talking to a person. Yeah, I bet you would be a little bit easier to have a conversation. So we'll see. Hey, now, what's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Thorny. All right. Um, Next five. question. Okay. Uh, last one. By yourself fully. A win this weekend is the next step MSU needs. Uh, totally. We've been to this uh, place before. We've won one playoff game. It's time to make a run. I think we were talking about this early season back in August. Now, what's going to define a good season for the Cats? And both you and I, I believe, said a playoff run. Well, you can't just win one in the playoffs. You need to make a run. It starts on Friday. So I'm going to buy that. That's it. Nice. Yep. Those were those are good questions. They're always hard for me because I don't have any time to prepare for them. But uh, those were good. Made me think every one of them. Well, thank you. All right. Want to move into some golden koozie questions? I guess so, man. Let's get us out of here. All right. Let's, uh, we got a few here. We got to get through, uh, our buddy Pete Burfering. Pete. Uh, is it Burfering or Burfening? You spelled, you typed it in here. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure it's Burfening. Okay. Burfening. Sorry, Pete. Uh, he asked us who is the unsung hero on the team that allowed us to get into the playoffs and make this run. His answer is Logan Jones. What's your thought there? That's hard to dispute Logan Jones. It really is. I'm going to have to go with Tucker Rovig, though. Uh, he would be another one. The only, there's two players that come to mind, Tucker Rovig and then Amandre Williams. Both are just playing uh, above their pay grade right now, in my opinion. I'd have to go with Logan Jones just because with all the injuries to Troy and Afonso, like I have to agree completely with, with Pete on this one. Yeah, like he single handedly like won the game against Western Illinois, which was just a sloppy, ugly game. But yeah, like what 188 rushing yards or something in that game. He had a, a breakout game and he, he's been hurt himself too. Um, the other guy I could throw in the conversation is just RJ Fitzgerald, who's just been a blocking machine for any running back, just demolishing people. So uh, I would put him there, but I think I'd, I'd have to pick Logan Jones. RJ Fitzgerald just loves just. He looks like he just loves blocking. <laughs> like that guy just, he's so fierce out there. It is so fun to watch. Man, once he like gets his mitts on you, it's like, that's it. <laughs> he's not the biggest dude, but he's fierce. Holy cow. No, he, he's a, uh, yeah, he's a warrior for sure. <laughs> All right. Nice job, Pete. Thanks for it, buddy. You're not winning though. You already have a golden koozie. <laughs> <laughs> Alec Nice on Twitter. Has he won one? He's asked some. Ooh, have I sent one to Alec? I don't think I have. I don't think so. He had a good question. He said, MSU has forced a turnover in 23 straight games, which is a really interesting stat. And I I heard that on the Root Sports broadcast on the Cat Grizz game, but it's it's really hard to find stats on that kind of stuff. But his question is, what is your best guess as to when that streak will end? At Fargo, at Utah, which would be next year, or does he, or like a surprise team like Wagner, who we played, who didn't turn the ball over at all? God, that's a weird question. Um, there's, there's really like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. 
I kind of let tend to agree that it's just going to be some team that we just like some uh, like a lower level team or, or whatever we have on the docket next year, where it's just going to we're going to beat the snot out of them without having to them have to turn the ball over. <laughs> It'll be a weird yeah. game, I think. Yeah, I'll go with that. He did <laughs> also ask the to see what the other teams' streaks were. Um, like I said, it's extremely hard to find that information. I did find an article from August that Indiana had a current FBS best 19 straight games with the turnover. So 23 has got to be pretty damn good for any level of football. So I think it's pretty impressive. It's weird that we haven't really heard about it. It just seems like it's just like this kind of random stat. Yeah, like the first time I'd really seen it, like I said, was uh, sports brought up against the Cat Grizz game. I was like, oh, that's pretty sweet. But yeah, it doesn't come up that often. I don't know if it's in the in the MSU notes that are released. I don't always read through those. That's where that kind of stuff lives a lot of times. So maybe I need to look in there more often. All right, Alec, thanks for the question, buddy. Montana Parlay, our buddy over at the Montana Mint, the gambling expert, Montana Parlay. He said, should Bobcat Nation be concerned that he's so confident that MSU wins on Friday and can't summon the energy narrative to reverse the jinx? <laughs> That's a funny question. <laughs> he's confident. He says, is that a good or a bad thing? What do you think? I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to be confident. You and I are superstitious, like two to nines, and so we hardly make any predictions <laughs> about anything. Uh, at least I avoid it. <laughs> so, But no, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, you know, I think I saw a line MSU opens as a, like a five or seven point favorite. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty confident as well. To the superstitious thing real quick before I actually give my answer. I've been wearing my same like Bobcats uh, like sweatshirt on Friday, for like the last, I don't know, four or five, six weeks, somewhere in that range. And there was a miscommunication on Friday. Basically, I washed all my clothes, forgot to dry them. So I had to wear like my business slacks and like my, my nice attire when I normally wear jeans to work. So I couldn't just very well wear my like Nike Bobcat sweater on a Friday with like my slacks, but I've been wearing this. So I was pretty concerned about it, but luckily I had an opportunity <laughs> to wear it uh, later that night. So I, I put it on and wore it and it salvaged us. <laughs> we still be, we still beat Albany, but that's just the level of superstition that you and I go to. Oh Yeah. I mean, Thorny, like, remember, like, when you were in town, you're like, why aren't you wearing any Bobcat gear? And I told you, <laughs> I said, after North Dakota, uh, we had, what was the game next after North Dakota? Anyways, I, I hadn't worn, I didn't wear Bobcat gear that day. I was like, well, we won. I haven't worn Bobcat gear on game day since. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to keep winning, man. Like, I, I'm here drinking a smoothie because I like the name of the smoothie. All right. This is dedication here no it goes even further <laughs> for me i have two different wedding rings i have one of those uh uh like rubber wedding rings you know what i'm talking about the like flexi ones yeah and uh i've been wearing that on saturdays again i haven't stopped wearing it since we started wearing, um, winning <laughs> so i mean all these little things that you put in your mind that you're like okay this is making a difference clearly doesn't but it makes a difference it's 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 funny sports are funny like that but to actually answer the question, I texted you. Uh, I think what I said to you in the text on this last game rings true. You were like, all right, this is where the Bobcats go three and out or whatever. And I was like, Foley, 
this isn't the Bobcats of old, man. We got to break through that mindset, that same old Bobcats. We're going to make some little slip up here. This is the new Bobcats. This is Bobcats 2.0. This is Jeff Choate Bobcats. We need to be confident. We don't need to always have that sneaking suspicion in our head that something's going to go wrong. So Montana Parlay, you absolutely be confident the Bobcats will win. You do it, buddy. <laughs> nice job, Parlay. <laughs> okay, I think we have You're one right, last man. question. They aren't the same Bobcats. They, this is a totally different feeling from the old Bobcats. But, you know, we just had so many years of it. So it's just, it's just taking a little while to get that old feeling mm-hmm. off the shoulder. So, but I yeah. think what, what really just changed my mindset was that finally that beat down of the Grizz, who clearly are a good football team. They just beat a team by like 50 in the playoffs. We beat them 48 to 14, man. This is, this isn't, this isn't like the Rob Ash era, man. This is, this is a new era. We're going to do it. We're going to win this game. Hey, Thorny, we do have a, a, a golden koozie question from Minnesota Cat Gal. We've got two of them. She first asked us, what do you think has been the biggest change that took our defense from good to great this season? I think it really, I, at one point I thought it was Troy just really turning it on. But I also, obviously he hasn't been playing, so that's really not it anymore. Maybe he's the one who kind of elevated them and they've just been able to maintain that play. Uh, Josh Hill's reemergence has been a huge difference. Josh Hill is just a different player out there. I don't care about his size. He is like the best instinctive linebacker on the team, if not even in the whole league. He's just a difference maker. But I think a lot of it is just the that depth we were talking about. We've had so many different guys subbing in, rotating in here and there that every single one of the guys who plays, who can play, who's the backup, has meaningful snaps and reps and experience, and it's all starting to come together. On top of that, I think it's just the thing between the ears, man. It's just confidence. Like the cats are just playing with a lot of confidence right now. So that's a huge part of it to me. And I don't, I would be remiss if we didn't mention like K9 own kind of learning on the job his first year as a defensive coordinator, just getting better and better every game. On the board, Libby Cat had talked about that our offense is not as predictable. And so we're not putting the defense in kind of a crunch position all the time. I mean, there was a while there, specifically in October, where we were going three and out quite a bit. So that could have a part to do with it. But, you know, if you look at, at our answer, I think it's probably everything we just talked about. Yeah, pretty hard to pinpoint one exact thing. But, yeah, it's definitely a noticeable improvement since uh, even the North Dakota game included, just since the Sac State loss, really. Uh, Minnesota Cat Gal did have a second question, and it's a pretty good one. She asked us, what is the oldest piece of cat gear that either you have? Man, that's a tough one. I've really had to think about that. I can't. I've I've had so many different hats and shirts that I've just I've had to throw away or got smashed or stomped or lost. Uh, you know, I have a a football helmet shaped beanie I probably got in like 2005. Uh, I also have this ugly <laughs> V neck long sleeve shirt that I don't really wear anymore. Um, cause I, <laughs> I think it's bad luck. It's funny. It's, it's in my, uh, stored away. That might be my oldest. I bought it like at Kmart in Bozeman, like 2004 ish, but Wait, as far as a, I can remember, you have a, a male V-neck Bobcat V-neck. Yeah. It's like a long sleeve V-neck thing. What? Okay. I think we've already established that. I think we've already established that you're not here to talk fashion. <laughs> I need to see a picture of this. 
I always have to wear a white t-shirt under it because I don't want anyone seeing all that. So anyway, um, <laughs> I don't think, yeah, that's the longest surviving things I can think of uh, that beanie and that shirt, everything else that I've had before that is long gone. So <laughs> who knows? You oh, seem yeah, to have a very specific one. Well, I do. I was just thinking about how many, uh, like Bobcat things just come like, just like have recycled in my life my the very first bobcat thing i ever owned was i had these pair of gloves that had like you know kind of like stretchy gloves they were the old blue i mean they were from i got them when i was in like seventh or eighth grade a girl who uh she was my very first girlfriend i'm not gonna name her name but her brother played for the cats and i was like she had these pair of mitts had these mittens and i was like man those are awesome she's like yeah i'll get you a pair i was like sweet so she brought me this pair of gloves they were my favorite bobcat possession i ever had they had like um they had the claws when you opened up your hand you could see like the bobcat claws and then on the back side and like the rubber stuff that was printed on they said msu they were pretty sweet don't have those anymore but that, that would have been my oldest thing but the oldest thing i have right now is a pair of sweats from my sister bought for me like many 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 christmases ago they say msu on them just in the upper left hand part um they're like my nighttime pajamas essentially so yeah i think that's got to be the oldest thing i'm rocking that has msu on it nice that was a fun question just trying to think of all the gear i've owned i've lost like what is the oldest clearly i need more bobcat gear i just don't have enough i think that's really where it comes down to over here yeah. Nice job, Minnesota cat gal. Well, who do you want to pick as our golden koozie question winner, which we never, ever discussed before the show, which leads to awkward conversation about trying to figure out who we should pick? Yes. My vote would be for, it's got to be for the cat gal, Minnesota cat gal. I think that oldest piece of cat gear was the one that uh, put her over the edge. I thought Alec had a really good question. And the question early on from, uh, can't remember his name, but the first one we answered, that was a good one as well. So, but I'm going to go Minnesota. Yep. I kind of agree with that. I figured that's why we were kind of saving it for last. Kind of, I think we'll want this one. That was a fun question. Just making me think about all the stuff. So yeah, def- definitely trip down memory lane. So congratulations. Uh, was it Minnesota cat? Minnesota right? cat gal. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time we just start clapping. Oh, I know. It's just it's silly. Fun. It's fun. <laughs> well, Thorny, it's about that time, buddy. Yep. That was, uh, we've gone on long enough, but we had a lot of questions to go through. That's always fun. I hope it's fun to listen to. Um, let's get out of here. You can follow us on Twitter, rrcatcast. Email us at rrcatcast at gmail.com. If you don't have Twitter, don't want to. Interact with us on Twitter, whatever. BobcatNation.com, recurring thread there for both the Golden Koozie and where I post the the releases, if you will, when we release an episode. And other than that, man, just excited to be talking Bobcat football still here in the second week of De- going on the second week in December. It's exciting. Whew, man. It's uh, this new era. I hope it continues. So let's end it with Go Cats. Go Cats. <laughs>